0: So that's why these transitions aren't exactly smooth this morning. (laughs) Because I am filling in for my husband today. And uh, I'm excited about the word that the Lord has for us today. His word is true. And his word never fails. Can you say thank you for that? Thank you, God, that your word never fails. It amazes me how his word is so relevant thousands and thousands and thousands of years later. We can pick it up and it speaks life to us. So I want you to join me this morning in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for our time of worship. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word that goes forth. Thank you for the power and authority you've given us as believers. And now we thank you for your word, God. Let it go forth and let it minister to us in the places that we need it, God. And let it challenge us, God. Let it bring us to obedience, repentance, whatever it is, God, that you have for us this morning. We are listening. And our hearts are open. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Daniel, we find Daniel. He's been exiled from his homeland of Judah, okay? And he is employed by two different pagan kings preceding this, Nebuchadnezzar and then Darius. And if you look at the last verse in chapter 5, it says, That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. So that's in a nutshell. There's a lot more to it, but we got a lot to accomplish today. So in a nutshell, that's where we are. Um, Daniel has been exiled from his homeland, and we find him here under the tutelage of Darius, who's 62 years old, the king. Look at verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Now, satraps were... Uh, rulers over different provinces, and they were um, over the security and safety of the people and also of collecting the moolah, okay? So, the tribute in formal terms. And so, that's what satraps did. There were 120 that he set in the kingdom to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them, three presidents of whom Daniel was one. Can you say honor, So, of the three presidents of whom Daniel Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Say jealousy. Why? Because this excellent spirit was in him. There's something to an excellent spirit. He is an exile in a foreign country. The culture, everything is foreign to him, but he maintains a spirit of excellence because the spirit of God lives inside of him. And it's possible for us to live a faithful life surrounded by the same pagan influences and counter-culture, counter-kingdom culture and propaganda if our mind is set on God, just like Daniel. So this excellent spirit we read about in verse 3. The king planned to set him over the whole kingdom, verse 4. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Say, scheming. Just in these first few verses, we have seen honor, jealousy, and scheming. Okay, They are scheming against this man of God. Verse 6, then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions say betrayal. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the documents and injunction. Do you see how he's being set up here? Oh, they are pouring it on thick to the king. Let no one have any honor except for you for the next 30, let no one be prayed to except for you for the next 30 days, knowing that Daniel is a man of God. Therefore, King Darius signed the document in injunction. Listen to this. When Daniel, verse 10, knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Say perseverance. That's what we see here. He's not just a faithful man when it brings him honor and position in the kingdom. He's a faithful man when it could ultimately cost him everything. Because his faithfulness is not controlled by fear. Fear could have set in and he could have said, well, surely I can justify and rationalize. God's got me in this great place of honor, in this great position to do great things for him. So surely if I don't pray, he will understand. Justify. And don't you think that's reasonable? Do we do that? Do we rationalize sometimes? Well, surely God understands. In my case, You know, it could mess the whole thing up. If I'm exposed and if I lose my position, then where will God get the glory? He's not only glorified when we are honored, but he is glorified when we are put to the test. Fear could have set in. And he could have rationalized not being obedient. But here's the thing. Being eaten by lions was a worse prospect to Daniel than being thrown... uh, than, than Uh, Let me get this right. (laughs) My brain is, is glitching. Being thrown in the lion's den was more threatening to him than not praying. Wow. Being eaten alive by lions was a worse prospect than praying where he got perspective and strength. That's where his perspective and his strength came from was on his knees. So this kingdom and this culture was so far from home and so far from what he knew, but he knew that prayer sustained him. How many of you feel like that sometimes in this world, that you're an alien, this culture and this world and things are changing so very much, it's easy to rationalize, well, everything's changing so much that God would surely understand. But he's calling us to this kind of faithfulness. He's calling us in the face of lions breathing on our skin to eat us, if you will, to be faithful to him and to his word. Are we that compelled to pray that if someone came and said, you can't pray, that we would not only do it, but we would openly do it in the face of the ones that we know will report us because that's what Daniel did. He did that, not knowing mm, what God had it planned. So verse 11, this is his perseverance that we've just seen. Verse 11, these men came by agreement and fan, found Daniel. Of course they did. Making petition and plea before his God. They came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, "Well, Daniel who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. In other words, tattletales. They're tattling, oh, oh, great king, did you not say? Yes, of course he said, and you you provoked that. So they are setting him up. They are setting him up. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed. He cared for Daniel. He respected Daniel. And he set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Is there a way? Is there a way? Is there a way? Verse 15. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be Changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. So the ordinance was effected. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. The king was sick-hearted. He was trying to figure out a way to change this. But once the law has been made, it cannot be changed. So not only was he thrown in the den, but a rock was put over the top. A stone was rolled over the top to prohibit anybody from rescuing him. And the signet of the king and his lords was put on it. It's kind of like signing documents. or That means that the authority behind that act is agreed upon. And this is where I want to pause for a minute, because it says that that stone was laid at the mouth of the den, the king sealed it, and nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. I remember a time in my life when the words, nothing can be changed, came to me. And it was August twenty third, two 2012. That's the day that our daughter, Kinsey, after 10 days in the hospital after her fifth open heart surgery at the age of 14, um, was recovering seemingly well. Her lungs were a little junky, but that's not abnormal after being on a um, bypass machine for open-heart surgery. So this is her fifth time around. It's a little tougher, you know, each time with the scar tissue and things like that, but she did really well. But 10 days later, they're not getting what they need out of her lungs. So we're praying over her lungs, and we're um, taking this issue to the Lord. And they come down, and they say, you know What? Um, we want to do a um, bedside bronchoscopy. Well, they try that, but the suction is not strong enough to get whatever it is out of her lungs. So they said, Well, Morgan's plan B, which is always the way it was with Kinsey, she always threw curveballs and all kinds of crazy things to the doctors. Had them on their toes, and she never read the fine print of their, um, their literature. <laughs> So, Kinsey pulls a Kinsey, and we're like, Kinsey, you got to go down to the OR for a bronchoscopy. But all that means is they're going to put you to sleep, and they're going to go down with more high powered and suck all this stuff up. And so that's what happened. Um, So, we're in the waiting room, a bronchoscopy. Big deal after open heart surgery. You know, it's like, okay, whew. We're in the waiting room, and. The nurse comes to get us and says, the doctor would like to speak with you. Okay, that's a little unusual because they will usually come to where we are and just tell us. So they put us on an elevator. They take us down to this room, and we sit there. And I begin shaking because I know something is not right. I'm like, what is going on? What has happened? This doctor comes in, followed by her... um, Cardiac surgeon, and they are absolutely soaked from sweat and They said this to us, so when we got down there, we were not prepared for what happened, whatever it was, we were thinking we were just going to um, uh, be sucking up the bron- you know the bronchial uh, just mucus and things like that. We did not know that this mucus, we have never seen this happen before, but it all converged into a half-pound mass, solid mass that started here. It had the ridges of her trachea on it. Every branch, of, when they when they finally were able to remove it, and I'll get to that in a minute, you could see every branch. It was like you poured, what's that stuff called? Not plaster, but uh, like yeah, like plaster, but like rubber cement, and did a cast of her chest, and then just pulled it out. That's what it looked like. You could see everything, half-pound mass. So they're thinking they're just going to remove regular, you know, a regular bronchoscopy, and they come into this half-pound mass, and what happens is it was blocking one side, Um, and so when they went to remove it, a piece of it broke off and blocked the other side. So she had Absolutely zero oxygen for 20 minutes. Now, they were doing CPR, but there was no air getting through. Okay, so they were keeping her heart going, but there was no air getting through for 20 minutes. So she comes back. We are in shock. Our family is absolutely in shock. She comes back. She left looking like Mackenzie with just a little oxygen in her nose and a sweet smile. I'll see you in a few minutes. She came back in an ice blanket from head to toe. Um, The doctors rushed in to put her on ECMO, which I don't know if you know what ECMO is, but it's the most advanced form of life support that there is. It takes over the... um, the function of your heart and your lungs to just let your body rest. But your lungs and your heart are not working. It's doing that work for you. So the visuals were, as you can imagine, um, we were in shock. We were heartbroken for her that she had come this far, and now we have this major setback. And the doctors told us um. We have her in this ice blanket trying to slow things down, but you have to know there's no pupil dilation right now. We keep checking it, but there's no pupil dilation. You know what that means. So what we're going to do, we're going to just watch things, and we're going to have a conversation in six hours, and we're going to have a conversation in 12 hours. And you also know what that means. Um, We knew that they were saying, she's not home. There's no pupil dilation. These machines are keeping her alive. And in 12 hours, we have to decide if we're going to take them off or not. These were his words to my family. Go home. Take care of each other. Get a good night's sleep. Nothing can change tonight. Little did he know that this little church right here, God went before this situation. Trisha Bowman, who was over our um, intercessory prayer at the time, she now lives in Ohio, still a member of this church at heart. Earlier in the day, she said, I, "I, God is opening so many doors for your family through the 10 days that we were there and the long history we have with Levine Children's Hospital. My husband and I were also on the parent advisory council. So we knew doctors and nurses and families. It was incredible. The doors God was opening for us to pray with and to minister to other families in the middle of Kinsey stuff. Okay. So Kinsey's recovering and we're ministering. God's bringing people. Literally a child codes and the father runs out of the room into my husband's arms. Falls on his shoulder. And John's able to pray over him and speak to him. And story after story like that, where God was really using us. But Tricia said earlier in the day, um, I feel really compelled to bring our team up there tonight and just sit with you all in the, um, in the waiting room and just be there. And if there's other families that want prayer, then we'll do that. Not knowing that we were going to be going through this. She did not know that this bronchoscopy was going to go horribly wrong. So by the time this group of prayer warriors gets to the hospital, we have received this devastating news. So we converge on this waiting room, and I'll never, ever forget it. The doctors came in, and everyone was there, my family, my daughter, my son, um, the prayer team, and they heard the words too, that you all go home, Rest, come back in the morning, nothing can change. And something shifted in that room. My mom had written on um, index cards weeks, weeks, or maybe even months earlier, preceding just scriptures that that we could speak as a family. I don't even really know why you made them. You felt compelled to make these scriptures, these index card scriptures and They were sitting there on the table and Travis Howard started to pick them up and with the voice of authority just began to speak the word of God, whatever those scriptures were. An agreement started to take place and it got loud in that room. Prayers going up to God, just speaking his words. We weren't begging you got to hear what you got to do. We were just speaking his word and saying, we don't even know what to say, but we're just going to speak your word and we're just going to pray and we're just going to trust you. That room got loud with prayer. People that weren't even supposed to be there, God sent to be in that place. And I will never forget it. The doors flew open and did faith arise in me? No way. My knees were knocking, shaking. I thought, here we go. They're going to tell us. We've done all we can do. But when the doors came open, that doctor looked at us and he said, I don't know what to say. We have pupil dilation. We just erupted with praise. Pupil dilation. We had a long, long, long way. He said, we have a long, long way to go. I'm like, I know, I know. It doesn't matter, though. God instantly came and touched her and brought life back to her. And so The weeks, I think she was on ECMO another six days, but there was no doubt pretty early on that she was all there. They said, pupil dilation's great, but that doesn't mean anything. You may be taking home a vegetable. You may be taking home a paralyzed child for the rest of her life. We don't know. Neurologically, 20 minutes is 20 minutes. And there's no doubt about that. I am personal friends with the nurse that was in the room, and she said, "Christine, I have never seen anybody down that long, ever in my life that has survived. Down. Zero, zero. The numbers were zero. zero 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 zero. And so God began to unfold this miracle on ECMO. On ECMO, this is gigantic, almost like a garden hose, literally, in your neck, bringing blood in, circling it through this machine and back out, doing the work for your heart and lungs. Now, she has to come off that. (laughs) What if she can't? What if her heart doesn't work? What if her lungs don't work? There's all of that trepidation. But they brought in a, she started to try to communicate She's on a ventilator, all of the things. She can't communicate. They gave her a clipboard. She's actually writing messages to us on a clipboard on ECMO. It was unbelievable. God gave us the reassurance quickly that she was all with us. That's my experience. She was in the hospital a a couple more weeks, and and God um, allowed her to come home. Not one single remnant of disability from that. Until the Lord took her home. That was like the power of God. He said nothing can change. But in one second, the power of God changed everything. One second. So I have to ask you, what is the thing that the enemy or that you yourself are saying nothing can change? The stone's been put over. It's a, I've cried. I've prayed. Nothing can change my marriage. Nothing can bring that child home. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change concerning this addiction that I struggle with. Nothing can change. What's the thing that the enemy keeps you down and saying, nothing can change in these relationships? Nothing can change in my future. I'm always going to be stuck just making ends meet. What is it? I'm always going to deal with these health issues. Nothing can change. Do you know that there is power in the name of Jesus and there is power in his word? And in one second, everything can change. Everything. Everything. And sometimes he doesn't change it in one second, but he changes us. So still everything changes. Because that's who he is. He doesn't leave things dead. He doesn't leave things lost. It's not too big for him. Don't listen to the lie anymore. The things that you struggle with, the things which wet your pillow when you go to bed at night, and the enemy whispers to you, nothing can change. You've prayed and prayed and nothing's going to change. Learn to do. Let the spirit of God rise up in you this morning and say, but God. But God. But God. We come back to Daniel. So he seals it with his signet. He says nothing can change. The king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den, say retribution and deliverance. Amen. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all of their bones in pieces. The very thing that threatens you is already defeated. The very thing that sets you up in your mind and in your heart and takes your sleep and makes you think it's too late, it's already been defeated. It's already been defeated. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his domination shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Do you see what happened there? Daniel, in exile in a foreign country, taken out of the safety of his homeland, placed into this foreign place, this foreign culture, where he could have just folded under the pressure. God honored him. Because of the honor, jealousy set in and caused scheming and betrayal. Because of the betrayal, he persevered and remained faithful to God. And because of that perseverance, he was delivered and there was retribution for his enemies. But in the end, the very last section is the crux of it all. It's the crux of it all for Daniel and it's the crux of it all for you and me. God's glory was declared. That's the cru. Listen, I know God loved Kinsey. I know he loves the Morgans, but we are nothing special. Whatever he did in that room was not for the Morgans. It was for God and his glory. Yes, I am thankful. But he was glorified. Many years later, nurses were still reaching out to us. We've never seen any thing like that. It's the talk of the hospital. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not exaggerating. It's in the medical journals, the spring medical journal of that year that it had never happened before. So it is scientifically a phenomenon. But more than that, it pointed people to Christ. People got saved because of that. That's God's glory being declared. That's the point of this whole story, Not that God can deliver, but that he is glorified. He is glorified. His glory is declared. Daniel's name means God is my judge. And boy, can we see this play out in Daniel's story. He was much more concerned about what God required of him than what the culture did, than what the king did. And I want to encourage this church, wake up. Wake up. Don't fall into the trap of the culture. Don't be so accustomed to the voice of the propaganda, of the of the mainstream whatever. You have to know God's word. You have to hear his voice. We got conditioned in this country in the last couple of years to kind of be, you know, with COVID and all of those things, to be isolated, to be sick, to accept that as normal. And it's not normal. It's not normal. God wants us to shake that off. It's time. We're talking about it still too much. We're giving glory to it still too much. Shake it off. Let it start with this church. There needs to be an energy that is inside of us that is not afraid, that it says no matter what our government or no matter what a people says to us, we are faithful to one and that is God. We are faithful to his word. We will bow our knee three times a day in the face of an edict that says you can't pray to God. Whatever it is, we need to trust and believe in God and fear him more than we do what our co-workers, what our family, whatever it is what they think, God's glory is longing to be poured out. And it can do, we can, God's glory is not just poured out when we're quiet. It's not just poured out when we're loud. It's poured out when we're obedient and when we're submissive. No matter what that looks like, no matter what the manifestation of that looks like, we can be guaranteed that when we are listening to the voice of God and he says move or he says be still, if he says be loud or if he says be quiet, we can be assured that he will be glorified when we are obedient. We have fallen into a trap. We are scared of the lions and it's time for us to say no more. Throw me in the lion's den. I don't care because I know God will deliver me. And just like couple chapters earlier with the three Hebrew, Hebrew boys, his, his cohorts, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, still exiled from Judah, standing in punishment of the king, thrown in a fiery furnace. Their words were, even if he doesn't rescue us, he is still God. Are we willing to do that today? Are we willing to say, even if, even if, even if? Because I will tell you, Fast forward 2018, Kenzie was in another situation. Same prayers, same everything, same different outcome, but God is glorified. God will be glorified in the Morgans' life, not because he answered my prayer, not because he didn't answer my prayer, but because he's God, and I can't serve another. I won't serve another. I will not bow my knee to anything else but him. Will you do the same? It is time for us to be powerful people, to trust God, to be faithful to his word, to be faithful to what he says. We cannot make it our own. We have to believe him and believe that if he said it, he will be glorified. Would you stand? Matt, I'm going to ask you to come if you would. I want Matt to pray over us. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I really believe you're the one that's supposed to close this this morning. And if that's you, and if the enemy has spoken to you that nothing can change, would you come up here in the face of that lie and stand at this altar of God and say, no, that's not what I'm going to believe. As he's praying and as he's being led to minister, let's do
1: Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Would you just uh, just quietly lift your voice and just thank God for his word? Can we just do that to start with? Lord, we thank you for what's been spoken. Thank you for your word. Don't be shy of your own voice. Thank you, Lord, for your word to us this morning. Thank you for the courage that Christina shared as she and uh, ministered and she's uh, spoken this word. And uh, Lord, we just take hold of that phrase. Nothing can be changed. Nothing will be changed. And we believe that is the lie of the enemy. Uh, In our lives, in this church, even in our nation, we believe that is the lie of the enemy. And so we thank you now. We walk in faith based on the word that's been released in this place. We say let faith arise, let faith arise. I speak out over each one, over every uh, individual, over every family, over every couple. I say let faith rise, let faith rise, let the barometer of your faith rise now. Uh, as lies have been spoken of things have been said in your life oh that's not going to change you're always going to be that way you're never going to be allowed into that place you're never going to be given access into that realm you're never going to reach this level in your life uh lord we say let those caps be lifted in the name of jesus let that lid be lifted off of the den in jesus name <clears throat> let the lid be lifted off of that curse in jesus name We say as faith rises, as faith comes up, as that barometer of faith rises and rises and rises, I thank you. We will hear miracle stories in this church family, story after story of men and women and children and families and couples and younger and older saying, I believed that it would never change and it has changed in the name of Jesus. It has been changed in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. There's a, a number of us here. You, I think you really need to offer that thing up to the Lord. Just as that brother came earlier, you've believed the lie that says nothing's going to change. Especially in the realm of you feeling not qualified to do something God's called you to do. You've had a calling from God. Someone told you you weren't qualified. Someone told you you couldn't, shouldn't, won't do it. And you've said, okay, I won't. Nothing's going to change. And so let's just take a, a posture of repentance, shall we? Lord, we come before you as your sons and daughters. And Lord, we choose to repent for believing the word of man over the word of God. Where you've called us to things. You've called us to places, to ministries, to involvement, to service, to, to pouring out for you. And someone told us we weren't qualified. Lord, we say, would you forgive us for believing that lie and we now accept the word of God into our lives. Come on, repent before the Lord if you need to. Just in your heart, repent before the Lord. Tell the Lord, say, Lord, would you forgive me for believing the word of man over the word of God? And Lord, as we repent before you, we now step into your word. And because of the authority of Christ, as that young lady shared earlier this morning, because of the authority that we have in Jesus, that is why we are qualified. That is why we can expect things to change. That is why the lid can be taken off and the servant of God is still alive and ready to continue in ministry. That is why, because of the power of the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your authority, Lord. I thank you for the flow of your word this morning. First through the brother who shared, then the young lady who shared, and now through Christine who shared. Thank you for the flow of your word. We receive it now in Jesus' name. We receive it in Jesus' name. I wonder if just as we close, we could lift our hands to the Lord. If that's against your tradition or something you're not comfortable with, do something else. But if you're comfortable with that, it's a scriptural act to take, just to lift our hands and surrender to the Lord just as a united body. Lord, we thank you that you've qualified us individually to fulfill the call of God. But you have qualified this church in a little wooden building on the edge of town, in the middle of a field, with a few cars parked outside it. You have qualified. You have ordained and qualified this church And the things that people have said, oh, that's never going to change there. We break the lie of that in Jesus' name. Because of the authority of Christ, because of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us, we break the power of those lies in Jesus' name. And we say even over this church, over Christ's fellowship, let the the cap of limitation, let the seal of death be lifted off of this church let that, those lies of the enemy that have been spoken be lifted off of this church in Jesus' name. And we say, let this, this year that we've just stepped into, we've just quietly eased into this new year. We say, let this year be one like never before. A year where a qualified people who come to a qualified church because we serve a risen Savior who has the authority to grant authority to us because of all of that. We thank you. We'll see great things in this place. Things ordained by God in this place. In Jesus' name. Faith rise. Let faith rise. Let doubts and fears be pushed to the side. Faith is rising now. Just hear the Lord say, this is a year for this church of faith like never before. Not that the previous faith has been lacked or lesser or weak. It's just a, a faith like never before this year for this church family. We say yes and amen to that, Lord. As a, as a qualified people because of you, Jesus, we say yes and amen to faith like never before. Faith to see marriages restored. Faith to see prodigals returned. Faith to see finances that have been stolen, bought back many times over. Faith to see that which has been pulled away health-wise, restored in Jesus' name. Faith like never before in every realm. Faith in half-hearted worship becoming full worship. In in limited belief becoming full belief. Faith like never before in this place. We thank you for it, God. Thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. One more thing, if if you would. Would you reach your hand out to... Christine, Lord, we thank you for Christine Morgan. Not just one who's poured out this morning, but one whose life is poured out for you and your people. We recognize that, Lord. We honor that. We bless that in Jesus' name. Lord, wherever John is, we pray you'd be with him now. Strengthen him. Encourage him. Uplift him. Whatever he's doing, just speak into his life, Lord. But now, Lord, as Christine has poured, 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 poured poured in worship, in leadership, in speaking, in preaching, in ministry of different realms and levels this morning. Lord, as she has poured out, Lord, this day we say, would you fill her to overflowing? Christine, the Lord says, your pouring isn't finished today because there's a whole lot more coming back into you and you can't contain it all. There's more pouring to be done. Lord, come and fill her now and refresh her and strengthen her. And Lord, we say as, as family here, we receive what you have poured on us through her pouring out this morning. We honor her. We bless her in Jesus' name. We say, let her not just be sustained today, but I pray she would end the day stronger than she began Can you speak that out, church? She'll end the day stronger than she began. Lord, even today, this afternoon, bring revelation to her she's never had before, as she's filled and filled and filled and filled. We thank you for her, Lord, for her faithfulness, for her vulnerability. I thank you that her pain has become an incredible testimony. And many have been touched, but many more will be touched. But most importantly, you've been glorified. We thank you for that. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, God.